Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Jesse McAnally. And I'm Andrew DeWolf. And welcome to Musicals with Cheese, a podcast where I try to get Andrew to like musical theater week by week and show by show. And Andrew, we have an extra special guest. We have an extra special guest this week. Are you Are you serious? Yes, yes I didn't make this up, um, though I have been known to do that. You're not making this up. I, I swear to God, you, every week you say we have a special guest and, and they're always terrible. Always <laughs> awful. This one won't be. I can promise you that. Please, everyone, <laughs> join me in welcoming the host and creator of Dream Sounds on YouTube, an all-around good person, Marlena Bellissimo. Hello. Thank you. Thank you so did much. Did I? Did me. I? Was I too Italian on it? It was fabulous. <laughs> Bellissimo. Um, yeah, people. Yeah, you could say Bellissimo or yeah, Bellissimo. It's or something. It's German. It's, yeah, Come it's on. also German. It's, <laughs> it's weird. Um, yeah. How are you doing today, Marlena? I am good. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I, I, I'm grateful you're here because I have a little bit of a thing going on, and I was wondering if I'd get some advice about it. What's up? Um, you see, my father like went out into the woods a few weeks ago, and you know what? I went out looking for him because mm. the horse came back, and oh, yeah. I found this sexy beast man um but he wants to keep me imprisoned here for like ever in my father's stead and all these (laughs) fucking household appliances are keep telling me to fuck the beast man and i don't know if i want to do this i feel like i saw your father he was he was crazy just absolutely out of his mind i got yeah i'm locking him up actually but we're putting him in an asylum When you said your father went into the woods and was gone i was like did you check craigslist the personal ads (laughs) um Anyway, sorry. <laughs> but it sounds like a stressful scenario. Okay, v- v- put it to a vote. Fuck the beast man or don't fuck the beast man. I say f- I say fuck the beast uh, man. Okay, Andrew? Yeah, I'm going to have to I'm going to have to side um on the fuck the beast man. Yeah. All right. I'm going to fuck the beast man. And in case you didn't pick up what we were throwing down, <laughs> this week we are talking about the Disney animated classic and this episode might not be for kids. Beauty and the Beast, kill the music. Every day, like the one before, little town full of little people waking up to say, Bonjour! Bonjour! 
tray life always The same old bread and rolls to sell Every morning just the same Since the morning that we came To this poor provincial town Good morning, Belle! So Beauty and the Beast is a musical written by Linda Wolverton with music and lyrics by Alan Menken, Howard Ashman, and Tim Rice. Based on the film Beauty and the Beast from 1991. The musical premiered on Broadway at the Palace Theater on April 18, 1994. The production was a critical and commercial success, running for over 13 years and over 5,000 performances. It became the eighth longest-running Broadway show at the time and won multiple Tony Awards, including Best Costume Design and Best Original Score original um the plot of beauty and the beast is um the musical based on the classic french fairy tale about a prince who transformed into a beast and can only be freed by true love the story follows Belle, a young woman who is taken prisoner by the beast in his castle but eventually learns to love him despite his appearance featuring iconic songs such as be our guest something there and beauty and the beast so marlena you were the one that requested this um and are joining us today yeah. I'm sure if anyone is aware of your YouTube show, they will know your history with Howard Ashman and Disney musicals altogether. But what's your history with Beauty and the Beast specifically? I I have been training my whole life for this. It all comes to this moment on this podcast. Um, I I guess I, I mean, I don't really exactly remember when I first saw it. Of course, I, I saw the movie first, um, probably when I was very young. I don't really remember. But I did see the Broadway musical when it was still going probably in like 2003 or something. Um, and yeah, I've, I just, I, I love, I'm a full-time like Disney adult. And so obviously this is a constantly running thing in the back of my head. And specifically Howard Ashton's work with Disney is a very, is a huge focal point for me. And I just love everything about the show. I know that, um, I know that a lot of people don't like the Broadway musical <laughs> as much as like just the movie or let alone the 2017 really? version, but I really love it. So I'm excited okay. to talk about it. I, I find that interesting. Cause I feel like as far as the Disney stage adaptations, this is probably one of the most, if not the most successful um, as far as adaptations go. Cause it is at the end of the day, a story about humans and people. Um, there's no like, weird reindeer you have to transform um and seeing the human element isn't super distracting um but i am in the same boat i saw the broadway show when i was young saw the movie when i was even younger um it was fascinating but andrew i feel like you might have a different link into beauty and the beast honestly with this one not really i guess i mean i haven't seen the broadway show until we were doing this episode but i've seen the movie a few times when i was a kid and i mean it's really good <laughs> I'm not going to be able to add much to it that you guys haven't said. I what? How successful do you think the adaptation was, though, considering you just saw, what, a shitty bootleg a couple days ago? Taking into account that aspect of it, I mean, obviously I didn't see it on stage, and that's that's where it would be stronger, but I feel like it still captures everything about the movie. Um, there's a couple, like, additional songs that seem like they're kind of there to just pad runtime but they're not like distracting i guess in in any major way i think it's there's a difference between if i can't love her and you don't know about love or monster from the frozen musical as far as how much they help the story overall it does a good job at, at capturing the uh tone and the, the feel of the movie though i think the movie is still just the best way to see it because the animation in that is 
phenomenal, but mm-hmm. uh, oh, or 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 I have a pitch for you. We air it on ABC and occasionally cut to clips of the movie when we really don't want to perform it live. Yeah, geez, that's <laughs> such a good idea. I feel like they might actually do it. Yeah, I mean, Josh Groban would be there, and he'd wear this terrible puppet and then take it off for the one time he sings. He would barely sing. Yeah. And sing a song that's not even in the we'd movie. Get, we'd, oh, my God. We'd get Josh Groban to show up and not sing any songs <laughs> except, like, one. Oh, what a mess that was. But Marlena, um, let's talk about the Howard Ashman, and because, obviously, he died while they were in, like, post-production for the film, as yeah. much as there could be for an animated film. And... Tim Rice had to step into his stead, and I'm curious as to your impression on Tim Rice's new additions. I mean, I like them. I guess we'll, I guess, like, I have more specific comments when we get to them, but I, like, just off the top of my Mm -hmm. head, like, the Mob song, there are some new lyrics in there that I like. Um, I think it's, what was the one? Grab your sword, grab your bow. No, grab your torch and your bow. Praise the Lord, and here we go. I like that. And um, mm. he did some good stuff. Yeah, I think I think it's tricky when you are taking up the work of someone who was so specific with his style and like also just so witty and clever and so insightful. Um, but I think he did a good job. Yeah. I know some people don't really like his lyrics as much. I don't know. I'm not trying to pin anything on other people, but I see a lot of discourse oh, about yeah. like... Just like the assumption that um, the other versions aren't good. And I think that there's a lot of merit to it. So yeah, I like the Tim Rice lyrics. Okay. I mean, that's as diplomatic as you can give about this. Because I also (laughs) see a lot of people hating on Tim Rice as well. Um, And I don't think it's always warranted. Um, And sometimes it very much is. Um, Everything, unlike, let's say, other things. Like recently we we covered the Little Mermaid musical, um, those songs don't feel in the same vein as Alan Menken and Howard Ashman's other collaborations within that, or even Aladdin, where you have some Howard Ashman songs and then some Tim Rice, Alan Menken songs. And I feel like even then it doesn't feel like a cohesive whole. Yeah, no, definitely. I I think that out of like the sort of zombied together Howard Ashman works that were adapted for the stage, this one's definitely the most cohesive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the one that the most pressure was on. This was the first Disney musical um, before that became most of what Broadway was and led to the revitalization of Broadway for the safety of the kids going to see Beauty and the Beast, which is why Times Square is now the fucking nightmare zone it is. (laughs) Uh, So we can we can blame this. It always goes back to Disney, doesn't it? (laughs) Sincerely, we can. I, for one, welcome the Disney overlords. I I agree, but I also do not welcome um, Elmo punching me in the face because I accidentally took a picture of them in the background of my selfie. <laughs> well, geez, you took a selfie with them. You owe them money. Yeah, That's how, how that works, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, if I ever show up in someone else's photo, I always beg them for money. <laughs> um, do you remember when Facebook used to do that? That was the scariest shit in the world. What did they- where I'd go to some public event. Oh, and then like three days later, someone posted a photo and I just happened to have been in the background. Someone I've never met, not mutual friends with. And they're like, hey, you might be in the background of this photo. And there I am shoving food in my face or something. And I'm like, yeah, that's me. (laughs) It's like, I didn't need to know this. I didn't. You could have just put the photo up. I didn't need to know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So as far, far as bringing Disney to Broadway, this was a very, very successful run. 
Um, in fact, it was even successful when it closed, but they closed it for a different Broadway show that was not as successful. I believe it was Tarzan. Oh my god! Yeah, um, it is. It is. So I feel like. Sorry. What was that, Marlena? No. I was gonna. I was gonna say the show is really interesting, also because it wasn't technically the first Disney movie they adapted for like as a musical format. It was the first one for Broadway and like the no. first one as an actual show. But I don't know if you've ever seen like the Snow White Radio City Hall. Performance. Oh, I have. It's really interesting, <laughs> especially when you think about like it as like a precursor to this, because it feels like the way, I mean, it's different people, but it feels like the way they approached like translating animated film to a stage is very similar. I'm wishing. I want to look up photos from that Radio City because it is a trip. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> so, like, what did the Rockettes do, uh, do, do Snow White? Well, it seemed like it's it's weird. I don't even know why they did it. I, I would love to know the story behind that. But, um, but yeah, it, it seems it when I think back on it now, it's like, oh, it almost seems like that was a trial run for the trial run that was Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. Well, it was. They started in the 70s, 79, like a really dark period for the Disney scene. I feel like it has that sort of like, okay, we're going to have a realistic like, oh, this person wears a, an orange shirt, so we're going to give them an orange shirt. But then they have like just a little bit of the cartoony thing like with the head. And I feel like in Beauty and the Beast, they also kind of embrace that a bit. That's what I meant, I guess. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree. I just remember anytime I think about that Snow White Radio <laughs> City Hall production, I think of the Demon Dwarves. <laughs> I forgot how much that makes me laugh. (laughs) I mean, early Disney park material is horrific in the best ways, like things that'll lock into your brain um, and will never leave. Um, I do want to talk about that original Broadway cast um, a little bit. Um, Susan Egan um, as Belle changed the character. She's not just doing a Paige O'Hare impression um and because of this we get meg who might be one of the best disney characters ever because she was already kind of in the disney brand and that voice that voice yeah she really i I like what you said i mean she really did change the character and i i she's fabulous Mm -hmm. throughout this entire show so yeah Mm -hmm. and it gives i don't want to say that the original bell in the animated film was weak in any way, but it gives this strength and sarcasm. So I, I, it's interesting, like that you they were given the opportunity to change things in a way that I don't think they'd probably do with more recent shows <gasps> because branding and synergy and all that. We were in the Eisner Katzenberg days when this first started, and Tom Schumacher was the one heading this project. Oh, I was just gonna say, Michael Eisner loved this show a lot, which I find very entertaining. And apparently, he would just like I heard I've heard stories of him teaching it to like to like various productions because he was a former theater kid. Really, and so he he it seemed like he was very very supportive of this. Michael Eisner uh, W. There. <laughs> um, he has a couple of those. Um, we had. Um... I think he has a lot of W's. I don't understand all the hate. I'm gonna be real. What? What? Okay. I think Michael wait, wait, Eisner. Wait. <laughs> Had had some good du- had some good oh, dubs. Yeah. 
I early on, yes. Disney Quest was a great idea. No, it wasn't. It was awesome. Wait, it was so cool. Disney Quest. I'm not pro Disney Quest. I am Quest. pro Disney Quest. I think I am 100 oh, yeah. percent pro Disney Quest. You want Disney Chuck E. Cheese? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and I'm tired of pretending I don't. <laughs> sorry, sorry to sorry to like sorry to outnumber you like this, but <laughs> no, it's fine. But r- literally, I look at it and I'm just like, this doesn't look like fun. It looks broken. <laughs> Alien Encounters, amazing, yeah, um, absolutely incredible. That they put that in Magic Kingdom. They put they put a horror movie in Magic Kingdom. Yeah. I love it. Michael Eisner, huge W's. <laughs> this put that guy back in charge. Don't forget Al made a slim. <laughs> oh my god. Dude, this guy. <laughs> Is this gonna be our like our, our legacy of defending Mikey Eisner? Or you say Marlena? Oh no, I was just gonna say this show's a great win W from the Eisner era. So yeah. hmm I mean Technically, the Disney is still profiting off the Eisner era, era with yeah. 2017. How can you look at current current Disney parks in Disney and then be like, no, the Eisner era, that's when it was bad. It's like, are you kidding me right now? I'm gonna, look at it right now. I'm gonna, this is when it's bad. I'm, it's bad right now. I, I'm adding an asterisk. <laughs> I'm adding an asterisk. I will say the Eisner, Wells, Katzenberg era was good. The mm. Eisner era was bad. Okay, maybe maybe you're right about that. I don't know the specifics well enough. As soon as Frank Wells died, things weren't going great. All right, maybe we got to give Frank Wells credit. I don't know who that is. I'm not a Disney he, uh, expert. He was a guy that really liked climbing mountains and accidentally crashed a helicopter into one. It was a real sad event. And then Jeffrey Katzberg is like, I'm going to get his job, right? Oh, my God. Oh, jeez. At the funeral. It was... <laughs> the way you just like summarized that in like one <laughs> sentence, that, that was a roller coaster. <laughs> That, that's how the uh, waking sleeping beauty basically does it. That is true. Yeah, it was a wild. It was a very wild time at Disney. I don't think I left out any important element. And yeah, man. So back to Beauty and the Beast. Yes, yes. They don't really try to elongate things. They don't try to expand on like plot points. There isn't like that brand new plot or the one new scene that's like what? What's this? It's taking moments and expanding them like me takes a scene and turns it into a song scene yeah yeah if i can't love her gives the beast a song of uh, of something to use which yeah. is great um the only song i might cut like if i was in charge would be like you know the mason de lune or the, the looney house song with um frollo oh, from yeah. the movie but i get that that you can't just have all the mains on stage at all times <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I feel like "Me" is the is the only song where I don't really like it that much, or like just like okay. just just the ending where he's quoting like other musical theater stuff. I was like, come on, this is a bit like it's a bit much <laughs> to quote like the best things in life are free at the end of it. It's just like why why was that necessary? Well, no, but the best things in life are me. I know, but. <laughs> but I don't know. I just don't. It's a pun. I it's hilarious. Like, like, oh, are you pro me, Andrew? <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I'm I'm like I'm in the middle on me. I think me is pretty good, but it's not I Gaston. Think it's, I think it's know? a good song. I think that's just a very interesting choice. <laughs> um, I have one complaint with me, and that is, uh, we will make the perfect pair rather like my thighs. Oh, that's fun though. <laughs> How is that a complaint? Well, you for- I mean, well, Gaston, <laughs> he's so much fun, and that's just like, I mean, he's like gay, 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 and I love his like oh. mask for mask vibe. <laughs> 
Do you think Gaston wanted to fuck the beast? That, I think yes and no. I I have I um Remember the beast is mine. <laughs> Take whatever booty you want, but I get the beast booty. <laughs> well, I I feel like Gaston wouldn't want to fuck the beast when he was the beast, but then when he turns into the twunk at the end, were you in love with me, beast? I feel like that oh. probably would. Um, I would fuck Terrence Mann too. Like I, I don't blame them. <laughs> um, Ter- Terrence Mann is a good-looking dude, especially in these times. This is like right after like his cats and uh, chorus line time. He's like matured, yeah. um, better than the twink at the end of the film. Um, th- I feel like it, everyone has agreed that the the way that he looks at the end of that movie is horrendous, horrendous <laughs> to look at. I mean, I think. Not it's not canonical. I think as a kid, or like when I was growing up, I was always so let down by that. And then the the older I grow, the more I'm let down by it because it's like <laughs> he was supposed to be a bear, right? Like that's the whole like a gay bear. Like I just think of like when I think of the beasts and like the animated form that they give him, even in the musical too. It's like oh, okay, he's gonna be a hairy like bearded guy, and then it's just like twunk, and it's like what? But they should have just had him be looks... Gaston. It just looks no, he looks identical. But Andrew, to he should look like you. <laughs> In the move, in the movie, he looks a lot like Howard Ashton's partner, Bill Lauk. Okay. Um, if you look at photos Oof. of him, um, it looks almost identical. I don't think they've ever acknowledged that officially, but it's like, I guess, a fan theory. But it's very similar. Ooh. You think she still calls him Beast after after he? Changes? Well, I guess I, I don't no. think they ever. But that's just I don't his think, name now. Outside of that one video game, to my knowledge, I don't think they refer to him as. I don't think they ever acknowledge each other <laughs> with, on a first date basis after he turns into a human. Bell just like. I love you, beast. <laughs> Take forever. I guess. What do they do with the parks? Does she say, this is my husband, beast? <laughs> this is my husband, and he's a beast. Because I don't, I don't think she says Adam. <laughs> Even though canonically that is his name. <laughs> Um, well, I want to talk a little bit about the thing. We talked a little bit about the film. We talked a little bit about the stage show. We need to talk about that 2017 movie. Oh. Andrew, I'm pretty sure you haven't seen it. No, I have not. Um, I've seen clips, but I have not actually seen it. Um, very bad. Not good. Takes nothing from the stage show, like which is a bummer because there's a lot of good in the stage show that it would have translated to a live action film. Very well. It would have made sense even to make a live action film to take some of these elements, but none. Um, Marlena, what do you think of the li- the 2017 film? Uh, I don't really think much of it. <laughs> I'm trying to forget it. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I think it's, I think it, um, I'm not a huge fan. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really like mm-hmm. the autotune on her voice. Yeah. Um, I think that kind of just like irks me for some reason. But I mean, I also just love just hearing different versions of these songs. So I guess I like that about it, but um, I don't really, I feel like, I think Lindsay Ellis has a great video about beauty and about the 2017 beauty and the beast. But I think mm-hmm. I agree with her opinion, which is kind of like that it, it shoves in a lot of like meta commentary on the musical, like implying that like Belle needs to be more of a girl boss and stuff like that. And, and I, I feel like it's just a very ungenerous interpretation of the source material itself. Um, so yeah, they, they try and like lean into a bunch of plot holes and stuff like that, that weren't really there in the first place, in my opinion. And, um, that's what I like about the Broadway show though. It doesn't really do that. 
So. Well, that's kind of the thing about the Broadway show. Just through C- Susan Egan's performative choices, she is making Belle stronger just as a character um, yeah. without changing a single line of dialogue to do so or changing it. I'm teaching girls how to read. We don't want folks to read in this town, yeah. which is <laughs> how the movie plays. Um, I also bit, found- A bit heavy-handed. <clears throat> a little bit. Um, but they also show the beast in his human form in the opening scene. Like, very yeah. clearly, they show Dan Stevens, which is- a weird choice yeah. that kind of goes against the entire point of what's he got to look like as a human. Yeah. And I mean, I think she, she also comments that he should grow a beard. Yeah. At the end she says, yeah, she says, how do you feel about growing a beard? And then he, um, and then he growls and they like insert like an animal growl. How would you feel about growing a beard? <laughs> <laughs> what? It's pretty, yeah. It's, it's wait, wait, is that real? It's a hundred percent real. I, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's very upsetting. I was very upset. Something that I don't like is that about the 2017 movie is that they also took out, like, If I Can't Love Her. And what was the other song? I forget. The one that... Um... They took out Home. They didn't yeah, they took include home. Human again. Be- well, to get to get potential Academy Award. Like, to get potential Oscar nominations. Um, the thing, they've song. never gotten nominated for these things. Why do they keep trying? They want original song, right? That's, yeah. that's their what they're yeah. going for. Um, they also had the gay, the gay stuff with LeFou. Which is kind of iconic when yeah. they were like, there's going to be an exclusively gay moment. When I, when I first saw that, I was like, that because the headline was, it will have their first exclusively gay moment. I saw that in 2017. I was like, ooh, that's not going to be good, is it? <laughs> when you're phrasing it that way, like it's <laughs> an exclusively gay moment. Finally have uh, gay LeFou in an ab- abusive relationship with Gaston. Finally. They frame it as that too. <laughs> they one thing I will say about the 2017 movie is that they do they do use a deleted lyric from Gaston, which is um, sort of like a gay joke lyric because Gaston was written as a sort of gay joke song about like rough trade. Um, mm-hmm. And there was a lyric in the original where he says, "When I hunt, I sneak up with my quiver, and beasts of the field say a prayer." First, I carefully aim for the liver, then I shoot from behind, and then LeFou says, "Is that fair?" And he says, "I don't care." And they were going to put that in the original movie, but then they decided it might be a bit too suggestive. Um, but then they use it in the 2017 version. Maybe that was the exclusively gay mm. moment, and we all just misinterpreted yeah. it. <laughs> we just missed it. <laughs> How about we compare our opinions to those of the New York theater critics when this show first came out? It's time for previews! It's time for previews. It's time for previews. So this is from David Richards of the New York Times, who said, At an official cost of nearly $12 million, unofficial estimates run considerably higher, the Walt Disney Company has recreated on stage at the Palace Theater its 1991 blockbuster animated feature, right down to the ravenous wolves, the dancing spoons, and the enchanted rose that sheds its petals as true love's hopes run low. Family audiences tired of prancing felines are apt to find this the cause for celebration. Others may look upon the eye-boggling spectacle as further proof of the age-old theory that if you throw enough money at the American public, the American public will throw it right back. The astonishments rarely cease, yet strange as it may sound, that's the very drawback of Beauty and the Beast. Nothing has been left to the imagination. Everything has been painstakingly and copiously illustrated. There is no room for dreaming. No quiet, tucked-away moment that might encourage poetic thought. For an evening that puts forth so much, Beauty and the Beast has amazingly little resonance. What you see is precisely what you get. 
In the end, the musical says far less about the redemptive power of love than it does about the boundless ingenuity of what we call Team Disney. Beauty and the Beast is Disney's first official Broadway musical with more apparently to come. Nobody should be surprised that it brings to mind a theme park entertainment raised to the power of 10. Although not machine made, it is clearly the product of a company that prizes winning formulas. Inspiration has less to do with its tireless industry. The result is a sightseer's delight which isn't the same thing as a theater goer's dream. Oh, let's unpack that one. I feel like, I feel like this guy's ahead of his time. This guy, he's 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 speaking the truth. <laughs> <laughs> like it wasn't even when Disney was. This was only three years after uh, Beauty and the Beast. Lion King hadn't really come out yet. They weren't what they were. He's not even necessarily saying it's bad. He's just saying like this is it's it feels like it's made by a machine product, which I don't know if it's if it's accurate for this one. It's more uh, it feels like it would be more accurate to talk about like the Disney live action remakes in this way. But. Yeah, I feel like it's so disingenuous. I think a lot. I don't know. I mean, I'm obviously pro Disney, but um, I feel mm-hmm. like a lot of the criticism of this show from that time is just kind of like, oh, well, a Disney thing can't invade our Broadway space or something. And um, I don't know if any Disney musical was built for Broadway. It's this one. I mean, like they clearly they like the opening song Bell is like choreographed in the animation in a way that translates very well to stage. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I, I wonder, um, yeah, I don't know how much of it is like, it doesn't feel that legitimate criticism to me. Um, reading it today, it feels like it gives it a different meaning because of what Disney currently is. But yeah, as a criticism of this show, I, I don't know. I mean, especially when you think <laughs> about like the little mermaid on Broadway, which I feel like is a show that does not translate as well as beauty and the beast where it's like, Oh, you thought this was bad. Well, it's about to get a lot worse. Um, you're going to be wishing that you saw Beauty and the Beast on Broadway. <laughs> Interesting. Well, that that actually brings me up. I misset spoke earlier when I said that Tarzan replaced Beauty and the Beast. The Little Mermaid, in fact, replaced Beauty and the Beast. Um, and that, as we talked oh, about... what a, a downgrade. Yeah, a few weeks ago was very much less well-received and less financially successful. Um, oh, yeah. Sadly. But I will say that because I do appreciate that it closed and opened the door for a lot more Broadway Disney because I feel like they were into an experimental phase. Like, I don't know if we would have gotten the Mary Poppins stage musical, which I think is very good, or even um, strange things like the Newsies musical, which had no right to be as popular and well off as it was, especially in the eyes of Disney. And then some weird things like the Freaky Friday musical done by the guys that did Next to Normal that would turn into a decom movie. I don't know. I find that without their attention to change, things would have been different. And I won't even say that Beauty and the Beast is my favorite stage Disney adaptation. Um, uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame is a really hard one to tear down for oh, me yeah. um, as far as stage to our screen to stage. Yeah, that one's really great. I think that there's a... There's a place on Broadway for these type of um, big budget kind of blockbuster musicals in a way. Um, and I, I think that this critic is just, uh, he wants the art house stuff. Like cats? <laughs> like cats? <laughs> yeah. That's the thing is like, this isn't even the first like blockbuster musical though, because there is stuff like cats and Phantom and, and that type of stuff. 
like the Weber I stuff. I think it's easier. <laughs> I think it's easier to view art as like something profound in retrospect. And I think that especially happens often with Disney, where like you'll see a lot of contemporary critics like saying that something's not that impressive or something, and then in twenty years is considered like a canon classic. And I think the same thing happened for the Disney Renaissance, where like at the time people were very divided on how to return to this sort of like sort of antiquated format of like princess musicals whereas now it's like oh these are like the golden standard of what disney does um and so that's 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 how i interpret that review it's just like part of that and i get it like you may you may view disney as like sort of a surface level form of entertainment but it is art and like it is it it is they're really good at what they do and if you don't if you're not like down for that then i can understand why you don't like it but um i i just don't really it's not that interesting if if you're just not down for it and you're trying to um, critique it in that way. But when we move a little bit away from the snobbery of the New York theater critics and moved on to the true professionals of the critical game, and those are the crazy folks over on Letterboxd.com, it's time for the Letterbox game of one star, five stars, where Andrew and Marlena are going head to head. Um, and they have to tell me, based on just the review alone, whether it was a one star or a five star review. Andrew, how about you go first? Sure. I, uh, I'm always prepared. You're great at these. You are really, really good. I'm so good at these. Okay. You ready? Yes. Did the candle dab during Be Our Guest, or did my eyes deceive me? Um, five stars, because the candle did dab. That is correct! All right. I knew it. I knew it. Marlena, here's the next one. Oh my god, I'm so nervous. The review reads, Bell, colon, as if she's saying this. In case you haven't noticed, I'm weird. I'm a weirdo. I don't fit in. I don't want to fit in. <laughs> Have you ever seen me without this stupid dress on? That's weird. I'm going to say five stars. That is correct. Okay. <laughs> She's not like the other girls. I drink beer and I fart and I go on Tumblr. <laughs> Have you? Pizza. Do you, remember, do you remember that time in like Tumblr where there were like hot topic edits of Disney princesses? Oh, yeah. Okay. Was... Just checking. Just checking that we were yeah. all there. Anyway. <laughs> oh. Um, it's like when you see hip hop like uh, Bugs Bunny. Oh yeah, <laughs> like that was a period where they were everywhere. Yeah, I've Belle with like thick square framed glasses and like tattoos. All right, Andrew, next one. Just like drinking water. Drinking water is good, um, but that maybe they're trying to say it's bland. So one star. That is correct. My interpretation is you know like the TikTok meme of how getting your girlfriend to drink water is like. I don't know. I love drinking water. Why Why do people not like drinking water? I drink a lot of water. Me too. All right, Marlena, your turn. Not realistic. That's that's one star. <laughs> that is correct. Yeah, you All found right, a pothole in a fairy tale. Congrats. <laughs> it's not realistic. <laughs> that just, that blew open everything. Like, now that I'm thinking about it, it's like, wait a second, magic isn't real. Like, this story makes no sense. Doug Walker himself <laughs> did a number on society. I love my daughter, Belle, the original furry. Five stars. Five stars. This is pro furry. That is correct. All right, Marlena. You're lovable if you're hot. I think that's one star. I would agree. That, oh, okay. That is one star. This might be a perfect game. All right, Andrew. There's a bit after the prince turns human again when Belle asks how he feels about growing a beard and he growls at her. And for a moment, I honestly wished I were dead. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this has to be a one star. Please so tell me this is a one star. That is a one star. 
And I agree. I felt that same way. This is a perfect game. We're, we're nailing it. Last these. one to make this a perfect game, Marlena. Stockholm Syndrome this. Stockholm Syndrome that. How about you stock up four dozen eggs every morning to help you get large? <laughs> uh, I'm going to say five stars. That is correct, and we've got a perfect okay. <laughs> game! Bring out the Vuvuzelas! <laughs> One sad balloon t- falls down from the sky because all the other ones popped because it's never happened. <laughs> Congratulations to you both. And now I think we need to take a rest, so let's go into a mid-show and then talk about some of these songs. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt you in the middle of the show, but we've got a show at you. Today's show is brought to you by the extremely kind donations by our donors over at Patreon. Andrew, tell them a little bit about Patreon, what we've got going on around there. Oh, man. Patreon is where you can go to get extra content from us and also just give us money if you want to. You know, it's just it's fun. We're going to we're going to we're going to be. Covering the Rugrats movies, yeah, uh, pretty soon here. That'll be fun. Very it... soon. In fact, we might, we probably even have one out already at this point. Yeah, as soon as Andrew um, has a free day for us to record that, that'd be great. It's gonna be epic. Yeah, w- wait <laughs> till our Rugrats ranking. <laughs> Wait, where are we gonna put in Paris versus Go Wild? You'll spoilers got... in Paris is the best one, and spoilers <laughs> to Go Wild is the worst one. Guess you know our rankings. What? Uh, <laughs> Our current patrons are Melissa Goldman, Danielle Renix, Jess Sampedio, and Cassidy Monica Thoreau, Mina Miniri, Brent Black, Nathaniel, Stacey Coombe, Joseph Evans Green, Mary Lou Shokett, John Vanels, Ross Walker, Musical Hell, Kyle Summers, Jen AC, Scoot in the Technicolor Dreamcoat, Liz Lim, Nothing is Certain Except Beth and Taxes, Thesbian Ren Cullen, Raphael Martinez Salaz, Jessica T, Mitchell Young, Shai Teacup, Kitty McDonough, Chris Marco, Kiji Marie Anastasio, Trevi Joseph, wow, that's new, Layla, RJ Norija, Charlie B, Bjorn Hermans, Erica S, Toriana Frazier, Sammy the Most Lopez, Lyanna Morton, Kaylee Blazier, Cinnamon Reviews, Villainous Miss, Sofiana Ali, The Omega Geek, Paige Pearson, Maddie Wargle, Elisa Erdman, Anna Loskotova, Cheska Vare, Sarah Demblecchier, Evan Ball, Zachary Torres, Gathering Party Before Venturing Forth, Rora Morasso, Marla Forlorn, Forloin, I say it wrong every time, Captain Rodtastic, and Lisa L, or Lisa L, whichever you prefer, it's all one word, but they all give us a little extra financial support that helps us keep the lights on here at Musicals with Cheese. And Marlena, I know you've got a little Patreon goal going on here, why don't you take the chance to promote that? It's your time to shill right now, too. Oh, thank you. I, I, yeah, I have my channel Dream Sounds, I have a Patreon as well, and yeah, I'm trying to reach a goal, I'm, I'm about 100 US dollars away. And yeah, um, if you want to help me continue to make Disney videos, feel free to subscribe. It's at patreon.com slash dream sounds. I'm fairly certain at least 100 people listen to this episode right now. If each of you gave $1, you could help Marlena make their goal. But if you gave Thank us you. each $20, it would be cool. <laughs> and if you gave us each $50, um, that'd be wild. Yeah, you know what? Just empty your bank account and give it to us. <laughs> They, there's a Just gun in my pocket money. Um, and if you don't do it <laughs> um, I'm gonna kill everyone oh in this boy. room someone might growl Rawr. on that <laughs> note let's get back to the show <laughs> um, I really like basically all the new songs in the show um, I but the one that really always stood out to me was No Matter What between Belle and her father <laughs> 
No, we're not odd, it's true. No family could be saner, except one uncle who, well, maybe let that pass. In all you say or do, you couldn't make it plainer. You are your mother's daughter, therefore you are class. So I should just accept I'm simply not like them. They are the common herd, and you can take my word. You are unique, creme de la creme. Um, so I think this is an important moment, especially for a stage show. We can't really empathize with characters as quickly as you can with animation. And it amazes me how the movie adaptation um, from 2017 almost understood that point, but still fumbled the ball so hard. So in the 2017 movie, they gave Kevin Klein a song about how he's sad that his wife died of the plague. Oh yeah, yeah. They add that storyline. That's what they have him sing about. Yeah, yeah. Because in the twenty, oh, hold on, Andrew, prepare for this. In the twenty seventeen adaptation, the Beast has a magic book that lets him go to wherever he wants in a place or a time. Um, and they go to the <laughs> yo. He's Blues Clues. <laughs> 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 he blues skidoos to Mo- Belle's mom's death place, and he's like, "Oh no, a plague mask. She died of the plague." Bro, what? What? It's, a, it's an important part of the girl bossification of Belle. You're actually trolling. No, You're this trolling. happened. I saw it. What the fuck? I couldn't make this up. It's too stupid. I don't understand. Like, what does that even have to do with Beauty and the Beast, like, at all? Girl bossification. It's not enough that, hey, we got each other and that's good enough, which is what, no matter what is, like, I stand by you. It's like, oh, we stand by each other because your mother died tragically when you were a baby. Yeah, and then they have that song she sings. It's like, this is the Paris of my child. That thing. That's pretty iconic. Yeah, but that's a... That's a reprise of Kevin Klein's song. How does a moment last forever? I'm Kevin Klein and the best part of this movie. <laughs> he really is. But yeah, I think they added that as part of the girl bossification. Because it's like, there can't be two strong women in a movie. So one of them has to be dead. They have. She has to absorb the energy of the <laughs> other strong woman to become even stronger. <laughs> That's how the girl bosses work. They absorb other other girl bosses and become. they get their power. Oh my gosh, I finally understand yeah. the end of The Devil Wears Prada now. <laughs> uh, yeah, they handled that in the show much better, though, her relationship. <laughs> yes, and it's done in a way that doesn't feel like Marvel world building. And it doesn't hurt the Beast character by showing he can kind of just teleport out of the castle whenever he wants. He can skidoo out of the oh, castle. Oh yeah, he can blue skidoo out of the castle into a painting wherever he wants. Uh, I like that they gave Maurice a song, though. I think that that's nice. That being said, we already talked a bit about me, so I don't want to talk about that. I do want to talk about Belle's big number, which is home. Is this home? Is this what I must learn to believe in? Try to find something good in this tragic place. Just in Held in this empty space. Oh, but that won't be easy. I know the reason why. My heart's far, far away. Home's alive. 
which I think is probably one of the most beneficial aspects to the whole narrative. What do you think of Home, Marlena? I think Home is so so good. (laughs) I think it's so so fierce. I love this song. (laughs) Um, It's so beautiful. I mean, it's really elegant, and they have the great... Um, they have the great like just theme like the leitmotif that that becomes um and i yeah i mean it's beautiful it's one of like it's one of the things that really ties this show together i love the reprise as well and um mm-hmm. yeah i mean it really it's a good reminder as much as i love like howard ashman specifically alan menken really is where it's at as well and um it's just it's such a beautiful song mm-hmm. i find it weird that we have a reprise right after the first song but we do that a lot that is something that is happening a lot in this musical where we'll sing a full song and then we'll have like a short little reprise afterwards like home home reprise with another person gaston then the gaston reprise right afterwards yeah they do it like three times i think mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean good for them i it works we just want to hear more of the same song apparently and that they knew that i <laughs> <laughs> I love it here specifically because it kind of gives Belle something to do when the beast dies. Like, it, it shows a proper arc through song where she thought it was a prison and then she found a home with him. I don't know. It's cute. I love it. I'm sick of hearing it at auditions. Girl, stop singing it. Find, find new songs. <laughs> <laughs> I say that with love. All the love in the world. There is... Okay, I think I've told this story before, but I think if we got anyone looking to audition for someone big and they want to have a fun thing to pull, this is the thing. Um, So someone was auditioning for Steven Schwartz and they were like really wondering what to audition with and they were freaking out. They pulled a song written for Pocahontas 2 on him and Steven Schwartz cried because he had never been had someone audition with that song before. Um, so pull from their most obscure work and they will appreciate it is my advice probably depends who it is they might be embarrassed as well <laughs> well yeah, it works for Enchanted Christmas oh yeah Tim Curry um, thing creature yeah I, I think he had a song yeah he's like a piano right or an organ, organ. evil piano organ I don't even remember why why he was evil like he was just there um, because when the beast is sad he has to be played and when he's happy, he doesn't want them. It's a stupid movie, Andrew. Um, Bernadette P- <laughs> Peters plays a little angel. I remember that one. Yeah. Um, but that goes for press events too. If there's the classic Nathan Lane story where um he's very bad about not he doesn't like giving interviews at all ever, so he'll just run right into the premiere. And everyone's always like, "I love you in Lion King. I love you in the producers." Someone screamed out, "I loved you in Mouse Hunt," and he stops. Mouse Hunt. You get an interview. (laughs) So it's always good to pull from the more obscure ones is what I'm saying. Um, Everyone's doing reflection, kids. Move on. Um, Let's talk about If I Can't Love Her, though, which is the Beast's big number and so much better than Evermore. And from my tortured shape No comfort, no escape I see, but deep within is utter blind. 
as my dream dies, as the time flies, love lost illusion, helpless, unforgiving, cold and driven to this. I'm surprised we didn't get a song like this in the movie, the original movie. The Beast feels like a character that should sing in the Phantom of the Opera way, and they give him nothing. Doesn't he have, like, one line in that, uh... Something there. <laughs> Something there, that's what yes. it was, yes. Um, this is a... It's it's surprising, too, because this is the, the Act 1 closer. Yeah, this is the Act 1 closer a, before, the, like, the wolves and all that stuff, yeah. It's surprising to me that they, they didn't have Be Our Guest be the Act 1 closer, but I think this is much better. Than if they had if they had done well, that. Act One should always close on a cliffhanger of some sort, where you're left wanting to know what happens when you come back. And I feel like this is the more logical choice. Well, yeah, but they had to write an actual new song for it, and it's not it's not a uh, a big crowd please well easy crowd pleaser. Mm-hmm. Um, like oh well, this is what everyone likes from the movie, you know. No, so it's surprising, but it's good. Yes. <laughs> um, what do you think if I can't love her, Marlena? I don't know. I. I think it's a really good ballad. I think it works really well in the show. And I think it adds also just like a dimension to Beast's character that I feel like isn't as present mm-hmm. during the movie. I don't know. It's it's one of those things where it's like, oh, okay, it's good that there is more time to flesh it out with more songs. Um, it did start the trend of like Disney ballads in their shows, I feel like. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but but it's but it's like it's it's for a good reason. It's like the original really good one. And compared to let's just say um Evermore from the live action film. Now I know she'll never leave me even as she runs away. She will still torment me, calm me, hurt me. Written by the same two individuals, but significantly less impactful. Why is that? I think, well, I just think it's a better song. And I don't know if it's one of those things that I can really articulate as much. But If I I Love Her has such a more, like, specific sentiment. Whereas, like, Evermore feels like a much more abstract lyric. And I also think it does a really good thing of, like, humanizing the Beast as a character. Whereas in the 2017 movie, it's kind of contrasted with him... To be honest, just like being an asshole to her, and so it it feels it feels kind of out of place. Whereas in the show, it seems it feels like more of an earnest progression. I feel like mm. the thing that bothers me about Evermore, especially in comparison to this one, is this one's more about what's wrong with me, and the second one's like, oh, what she's done to me. <laughs> like he one seems like, yeah. oh, now she's leaving me, and what a what, I won't forget her. But man, it sucks that she's leaving. This one's like, why am I such a dick? <laughs> Which I think is much yeah. more compelling. But, you know, there is one big advantage is uh, that one would be uh, Evermore is able to win an Oscar. 
oh, for yeah. best original song. Yeah, yeah, don't, uh, but it doesn't even get nominated. But you can bring Josh Groban out <laughs> to sing it uh, on ABC occasionally. <laughs> but you know what? Josh Groban <laughs> can also come out to sing If I Can't Love Her, and he has. Um, the last song I want to talk about is because it's the song with an asterisk, and I think you know exactly what I'm talking about, Marlena, and that is A Change in Me. Bell's, like, 11 o'clock-ish number. I slowly understood My perfect world out there Had disappeared for good But in its place I a truer life begin And it's so good and real It must come from within It was added only after Tony Braxton joined the cast because she wanted her own song. Yeah, and isn't there that story where Tim Rice got drunk and was like, oh, we'll write you a song. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and now we just have another song in Act 2 that slows the entire narrative down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, I, don't, I don't like a change in me very much. You don't? Why? I, I, I don't know why I don't. Like, I, I feel like it's just like, yeah, I don't see that Belle needed an arc, to be honest. I feel like she yeah. was a complete person from point one. So she doesn't really have a change in her. Yeah, the Beast yeah. had the change. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's true. I, yeah. Like, I not because, because Belle, the reason why I think Belle works as a character, I wouldn't call her a Mary Sue, but she is a complete human. Um, She doesn't need to do much personal learning outside of, interpersonal stuff yeah whereas the beast is the one that needs to have the growth and a change in me is like yeah sure you've changed <laughs> you you found out one guy that was kind of a dick isn't a dick wow well i feel like they have it in the show to kind of complement beast's emotional change which i i mean i don't know i think i feel like beauty and the beast it's about beast changing but it's also i feel like it's more about the tension between gaston and the beast trying to control bell and also in that, like, Belle realizing her agency in the situation. And I think that causes her to both stand up for the Beast, but also, like, um, stand up to Gaston. And I think, and so that's why I like that song. I think it I think it does recognize that there is a change in her, even though if she's, like, the one who is the most victim in the story, I guess. Um, yes, but do you, it feels like, a, you know how in, in screenwriting classes, they're like, you could either have a positive change or a negative change, a negative arc or a positive arc. Um, it sounds like the revelation of a, a negative arc to me, especially with the lyrics like, I never thought I'd leave behind my childhood dreams, but I don't mind. I'm where and who I want to be. Not a change of heart, a change in me. She's given up on the dreams of being in the great white somewhere to settle down with a dude. Yeah, I mean, I 
I can see that. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't really see it that way, but I do. I, I think that is like, I, I do understand where you're coming from. I, cause I feel cause like, I, yeah, sorry. No. No, no worries. Keep going. Oh, I was just going to say, I feel like, I feel like that is a journey for her in the show as well. Like she longs for something. It's not like, I don't think when she said the great wide somewhere, she like wants to travel. Like, I think, I I feel like it was just more of like a general feeling. And I think throughout the show, she kind of finds that she's found her sort of interest in exploring and living essentially through her relationship with beast. Sorry. I've thought way too much about beauty and the beast. No, but uh, this is good. But, (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think it's beautiful. I'm also, I'm also legally obligated to not slander Alan Menken. So (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I will. I feel like you phoned in the sausage party song. (laughs) (laughs) So Gaston is a villain song, but it's not in the be prepared way. It's more in the, it's a villain hype song. No one's slick as Gaston, no one's quick as Gaston, no one's next as incredibly thick as Gaston, for there's no man in town half as manly. Perfect up your paragon, you can ask any Tom, Dick, or Stanley, and they'll tell you whose team they prefer to be on. It's like the village people's macho man <laughs> in, like, Disney forum. Um... <laughs> It's fantastic, positively primal, <laughs> and a little, little horny. Like obviously, LeFou is definitely in love with Gaston. I feel like that's a, a reading that's not just subtext but text. Well, do you know? Um, are you familiar with I, like the conception of how they portray Gaston? No, elaborate, please. I um, well, so um, it was said later on that by Bill Condon, I think. Mm-hmm. Maybe I have that wrong. Maybe it was Don Hahn. I forget who. But um, no, I think it was Bill Condon. He said that um, that Howard Ashman and Alan Menken, or he said, I'm not saying that Howard Ashman was into rough trade, but <laughs> Gaston and the dentist from Little Shop were based off of rough trade. <laughs> um, and so and so he implied that it was like the men that Howard Ashman was attracted to, um, which is like beefy Tom of Finland type of guys. And also while making the movie, Andreas Deja, who's also an openly gay animator was, I believe the principal animator for Gaston. And he based the, he based the physical design of the character off of men he saw at a Los Angeles gym. And during the production, I think Don Hahn got him a subscription to like a muscle magazine. Um, (laughs) And so there's, there's kind of like a whole joke about Gaston where um, it's, yeah, it's very, it's, I wasn't, I was being serious when I said like mask for mask energy. It's kind of like this whole, um, like, just like very, to be honest, gay song, and it's fabulous, and it it kind of make it messes up like the queer coding, which I find really interesting because I feel like a lot of people when they talk about this film and queer coding, they mainly talk about like the Beast being isolated mm. and Howard Ashman was um, had HIV while writing and making the film, and um, he passed away from AIDS related complications before it was done. And there's definitely part of that in it, but I find the coding of Gaston interesting because it turns it into a sort of like gay battle. Which I feel like, well, because like it's really interesting that like in the song he's like every last inch of me is covered with hair, and then like the beast is ashamed of his hair. He's a twunk after all, as we learn, and so he was. Um, 
And so, I mean, I have a whole video this about this on my channel um, if you want to hear, like, the nitty-gritty details of it. But um, I think there's a lot of interesting politics in there or that can be read into it regarding, like, the AIDS crisis and how, like, muscle gays and, like, gym gays wanted to portray an image of, like, fitness and hyper-masculinity as a sort of response to the stereotype of, like, sickly gays with AIDS that was mainstream um, – that was a lot of the mainstream narrative at the time. And I, I just find that interesting how we know that the beast is queer coded and we know that Gaston is queer coded. I'm not saying that that was their intention with the story, but it is interesting to see these two characters that we know are queer coded be in opposition to each other um, in a way that seems that that is historically very interesting when you consider the time period. That is fascinating. Anyway. No, no, I loved every second of listening I, to that. It's just, this just proves that Gaston is the best Disney villain He of is. All time. I mean, all the lyrics are so fabulous. It's it's so much fun. I have a whole video about it on my channel about um, the history of, like, ACT UP. And because Howard Ashman, when he was writing the film, there were a lot of, um, it's, it's hard to say exactly because there are, most of the people close to him who are working with him on the film were able to have said that they were able to trace links between like his personal life and the work that he was writing for Disney. And so there, and also at the time he was afraid to even let them know that he, that he hit, that he had HIV because he was worried that it would, um, that Disney was like a family friendly company. And, um, and he was worried that, that him being a gay man would be a problem there. And so it's really fascinating when you consider that he's writing this musical about being an outsider. And by the way, he was the one who was like, we should make the beast a main character as well. Cause originally bell was just going to be the main character, but Howard Ashman was an executive producer and he like pushed for that. And so it's really fascinating to look at um, him during this period in his life when he was also an outsider from society, writing this show about outsiders from many different perspectives. Cause I guess there is bell, the beast and Gaston all like battling each other in some way. And I, I just think I find that fascinating because I feel like when looking at the story, people usually just focus on like bell and the beast. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. And Gaston is like an outside force. Uh, I like Gaston. I think yeah. he's funny. Sorry. That was a ramble. <laughs> no, that was great. Um, I, I mean, I love Howard Ashman, but every idea he had, like, I remember, I think it was, uh, the directors were talking about how Howard Ashman was really keen on showing the beast as a little naughty boy and turning into a little beast boy. And they were like, this... <laughs> and I think they said that feels like a little bit of a yeah. treat cheap trick on an audience. And apparently they got really, really yelled yeah. at hardcore. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I'm on the side of the directors there. I think it would be a little, little goofy to show a little, little tiny beast boy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a fabulous song though Gaston it's so much fun Gaston is incredible the animation in the film is good um, when I saw this one live when I when I was very young I saw the stage show I remember being very angry that he didn't actually eat the eggs raw like he did in the animated show because I was like I, that was like the one thing I was like how are they going to do that on stage and then they just didn't I was like ah oh. That was the one time I was disappointed uh, by a stage show. You you wanted an actual person to juggle a dozen eggs and throw them up in the air and swallow them? <laughs> well there there's Okay. <laughs> yeah. I wish I wish they yeah, I wish they did that. <laughs> we needed a real throat goat up there with dozen eggs going down his throat. Oh, I was just I was gonna say, I feel like another song that's really important to talk about when looking at this show is Human Again. Mm. <laughs> 
which was originally for the animated film, it was removed because they needed a sort of um, scene depicting like the passage of time as the beast learned to like love Belle and they replaced it with something there, mm-hmm. um, which definitely works better, but they would later animate the scene fully and um, include it on, I believe, a director's cut. And it was the, I think for a few 2004 re-release in IMAX, because that's what they were doing when they couldn't, um, Oh, back before they were doing live action movies, they were releasing an IMAX and they were like, we have an extra scene here. It's never before seen like this. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, I love this actually my favorite song from the entire project. Okay. Um, That's okay. I want to hear your song from like the movie. I mean, I have my own little fan theory about Howard Ashman with regard. I, I mean, I it's it's weird when talking about Howard Ashman because there are a lot of things that we do know, but it's usually anecdotal information. Like, for example, um, there was, again, related to his experience with AIDS-related complications, there was a deleted song from Aladdin called Humiliate the Boy. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole anecdote where Scar, not Scar, <laughs> Jafar, mm-hmm. Um, (laughs) he's stripping Aladdin of like all of his possessions. And, um, there's an anecdote from Alan Menken where he was listening to that song and he was maintaining his composure. But then when he left the room, he just had to cry because he was like watching his friend, um, slowly pass away while hearing this song about a character losing, becoming incredibly weak and stuff like that. And, um, to be honest, I, I don't have, I, there's not a similar um, anecdote from what I understand about human again. But when I listen to that song, I cannot remove it from the context of what beauty and the beast, what time in which it occurred in his life, where you have these inanimate objects that are singing about wanting to be human and focusing on like mundane things. I think that there's this really interesting personal way to read it, but also at the center of the show, it's just such a beautiful song that really cuts to the core of what I think the show is about, which is just like wanting to belong. And um, it's kind of silly in concept that like inanimate objects are singing about wanting to be human. But um, but the things they want to do are, are just like things that everyone does at some point in their life and um, ranging from like falling in love to just like very mundane things. And um, I think that's beautiful. I feel like that's the moral of the show really because the beast wants to be human as well. And in a way, Belle does too. She wants to not be treated like a piece of meat by like by Gaston. And um, I, I really like it. That's why it's mm-hmm. my favorite. I think it just um, communicates the essence of the show in the best way, which is why it's a shame it was removed. And people don't really, I don't know, I feel like it's not really given the praise it deserves. But it's there's a beautiful demo of it that just makes me weep. <laughs> um, it's really good. Anyway. <laughs> and narratively, at least in the animated film, there's a moment where... The Beast is just appreciating Belle for her brains and her skills and her interests yeah. where she's reading to him and then she's teaching him to read. I don't know. I really like that moment. It's really showing finally she's without the girl boss side being valued for her own interests um, and having that be respected yeah. in a way um, that it in the the live action movie he's like ew romeo and juliet oh that's romance bro gross <laughs> uh, yeah i mean it's it's <laughs> which is yeah. what gaston I, did i feel like a lot yeah yeah it's 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 good i mean i think i think people when looking at this movie they critique like the easy the easy like oh it's stockholm syndrome it's abusive or whatever i think that's just not the point though and I think when looking at a song like Human Again, it really communicates the um, the sort of 
core of the movie, which is very, which is very empathetic. It's very earnest and it takes like just a fairy tale and makes it feel very universal in a way that I think is beautiful. On that note, what is our overall thoughts on Beauty and the oh, Beast yeah. and our cheese? Andrew, why don't you go first? Sure. Um, Beauty and the Beast is very good, both the animated movie and the Broadway show. Um, and there's not much more to say. I think we've covered everything. I really liked it. Um, as far as a cheese rating, um, I want to pick something good and French, you know? We, we didn't talk much about how this show is uh, French, but it, it is French. What? <laughs> well, I got to change my rating. Um, <laughs> the French yeah, are dicks, right? man. <laughs> it's true. It's true. So I'm going to give it cam- Camembert. Ooh, that's a good uh, one. You know, people have heard of that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think that's a good choice. Um, all right, Marlena, what about you? Your overall thoughts and your cheese rating? Um, I love this show. <laughs> it rests at the heart of my soul. So I, yeah, it's perfect. I love it. Um, I cheese rating. I when I think of the show, yeah, I think it's like I've said. I think it's very gay and fun. And so when I think of like the gayest cheese I can think of, um, I think the easy pick for this would be. Um, cheese souffle from Be Our Guest. But I think my answer is um, brie cheese. And that is because I recently transitioned and now I'm painfully heterosexual, but I used to live a very fun, fanciful gay life. And I used to, um, when I listened a lot to the soundtrack, I had a gay lover when I just moved to Berlin. And um, we would always eat brie cheese while listening to Beauty and the Beast songs. So I have to go with brie. That's a great cheese. It's a good um... one. <laughs> I, I love Beauty and the Beast. It's a great stage show. It's a great movie. Not so great uh, live action translation. Um, and there's been a lot of other good adaptations of this story too. Um, feel like the Jean Cocteau film doesn't get much play anymore, but go watch that one too. It's a good pairing. And I'm giving this Manchengo cheese um, from the Boar's Head um, brand because you know the Beast kind of looks like a Boar's Head. You know, just a little bit. Um, All right, Marlena. You make incredible content. Please promote your work for the world to find and watch and see. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I make videos about Disney music, um, often involving like queer history on the channel Dream Sounds. So, and if you're interested, I have a lot of videos about Beauty and the Beast. I have two that come to mind are a video about Gaston and how it relate how his aesthetic relates to like beefcake and queer aesthetics, and then also what I was talking about earlier with the AIDS crisis, I have a whole like 30 minute video going into detail about that if you're interested. So um, yeah, thanks for having me. And I like to give my own personal recommendations um, for the, my guests. And I think that my audience will love your incredible high school musical video. Um, it's an hour and a half of pure <laughs> bliss. Um, you will learn a lot and it's fun. Come on. And there's, there's another hour and a half high school musical video coming in like a few weeks. Oh, get ready, kids. You, you got to watch that one to understand the plot of the next one. <laughs> um, but yeah, please find them on Dream Sounds. It's a great, great YouTube channel. So much better than a lot of other Disney YouTube channels. Um, um, as far as like <laughs> consistency. And they, they're trying to hit a patron goal to keep doing this and get them there. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. Um. You know who else 
desperately wants to watch a 90-minute video on High School Musical. Me? No, our wonderful patrons, you idiot. Please follow us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher at Musicals for Cheese. We're on Twitter at Cheesy Musicals. Patreon Musicals for Cheese. Instagram Musicals for Cheese. YouTube page Musicals for Cheese. We have a patron-only podcast called Patreon with Cheese. Email us and tell us how wrong we are about fucking everything at musicaltheaterlives at gmail.com. We'll read it on the show. Our keeper of the cheese is Juliet Antonio. Thank you for keeping track of that because goddammit, I wasn't going to do it. And here's some ASMR for you as a gift. This show is edited by Andrew DeWolf. Thank you for taking that on. You're doing a great job, sincerely. Our theme songs were created by Robin Nash of IOU Music UK. Thank you to the Broadway Podcast Network for having us on the platform and for not kicking us off for calling guests on the throat goat. All right, anything else we have left to say before we leave? The fucking throat goat. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Gosh, it disturbs me to see you, Gaston, looking so down in the dumps. Every guy here would love to be you, Gaston, even when taking your lumps. There's no man in town as admired as you, you're everyone's favorite guy. Everyone's odd and inspired by you, and it's not very hard to see why. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.